What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Today's episode is a special one, because in case you haven't noticed, crypto is crashing. Bitcoin is down more than 65% from its all-time high. Ethereum is down nearly 75% from its all-time high. And the total value of all crypto assets has dropped 70% in the last six months alone. So the real question becomes, what does this mean for the multi-billion dollar crypto sponsorship deals that we saw in professional sports last year? Well, I sit down with my brother, Anthony Pompliano, and we break it all down. This conversation was a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy it. But before we get into it, let's quickly run through today's sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Whoop. I've been wearing a Whoop for several years now, and it has made a massive difference in my life. It's the only tech product that I wear 24-7, so it's pretty cool to see people like Patrick Mahomes, Rory McIlroy, Michael Phelps, and Justin Bieber wearing one also. Whoop automatically measures your respiratory rate, oxygen level, resting heart rate, heart rate variability, calories, and activity levels throughout the day. Sure, it might sound complex, but Whoop interprets the data for you, so it's easy to digest and actionable. And now, their 4.0 is officially back in stock and shipping in real time. But here's the best part. To celebrate that and Father's Day coming up, Whoop is offering 15% off and free shipping when you use code Joe at checkout. So go to Whoop, W-H-O-O-P dot com and enter Joe, J-O-E at checkout to save 15% and get free shipping. Sleep better, recover faster, train smarter, and now feel healthier with Whoop. Next up is 8sleep. 8sleep has dramatically improved my daily performance. For me, I was never able to get a good sleep because I was always too hot. But now, I am falling asleep in record time, faster than I have before, all thanks to my 8sleep Pod Pro cover. The Pod Pro cover by 8sleep is the most advanced solution on the market for thermoregulation. You can add the cover to any mattress, the temperature regulation will create the optimal sleeping environment by adjusting to each side of the bed based on personalized sleep stages, biometrics, and bedroom temperature. The results are proven to be true. Eight sleep users fall asleep up to 32% faster, reduce sleep interruptions by 40%, and get overall more restful sleep. And it's not just me who sleeps on an eight sleep. The product is so good that it's garnered the attention of CEOs, Olympians, UFC champions, and even the Mercedes F1 racing team. So go to eightsleep.com slash Joe. That's J-O-E for exclusive Memorial Day savings through June 6. Cool down this summer with 8sleep. Now shipping within the USA, UK, Canada, and Australia. Joe Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of Joe Pompliano and his guests are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion by Joe or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, let's get into this episode. Speaking of bear market, that's what I want to talk about. Today. All right. Oh, we're going to have a We're having fun on the show, all right? Why you got to come with the bad news? Nah, it's, it's, we got a, it. it's a conversation. I'm getting a lot of questions, a lot of people asking about crypto and sports. Ooh, crypto and sports. All right. Right. So everyone has seen most of the numbers by now, but for some context, Bitcoin is down 65% from its all-time high right now. Ethereum is down 75% or more than its all-time high. And the total market cap of all crypto assets has fallen 70% in the last six months. So just over two and a half trillion, maybe even closer to three trillion, now under a trillion as of this morning. So there's been a massive drop off in the market. Tons of value has been destroyed over the last several months here as crypto assets have fallen. So most people are asking now, with that happening, there was obviously a, a huge trend in professional sports over the last several months, but even a couple of years now where crypto companies have been investing heavily in sports, right? So they, they infiltrated the financial assets first, whether it was 
traditional kind of products that they could market off of. And now they moved on to ancillary things like professional sports. Most of that was driven by data, really just telling them that professional sports were the next best thing to market on relative to who might be interested in their products. So FTX, they did multiple deals. They did over $500 million. They've committed to at least not spent yet, but at least committed to on deals with Miami Heat, esports franchise, TSM, Major League Baseball, and others. Crypto.com has shelled out a ton of money. They've spent over 700 million, even close to a billion probably at this point now, because they spent over 700 with just Staples Center, right? They renamed the Staples Center as Crypto.com Arena. They did a deal with the UFC, which I think was 100 million. They did a deal with Formula One, which, which was close to, if not 100 million also. So these companies have committed between them to a loan, that's 1.5 billion, probably closer to 2 billion once you account all the others, whether it's North American sports or international sports. So a lot of people are now like, okay, what the hell happens here, right? How do these companies afford these deals? Some of them are hundreds of millions of dollars. Some are less than that, but they go multiple years in, in, in length, right? Some of them are five years, some are 10 years. Not all of them were paid up front. What happens with these deals, right? And the way I think about it is, is a few different ways. And I'm curious your opinion also, but the way I think about it is, right, there was deals that were done with those companies that I mentioned, crypto.com and FTX and others like that, which are what we'll call more of the blue chip exchanges or companies within the crypto space. And an example of that is FTX, right? So FTX was one of the major partners in the space. They've committed hundreds of millions of dollars and they were doing $85 million in revenue in 2020. Last year, they did over a billion dollars in annual revenue. They've obviously raised money. I think they're close to, if not a $50 billion company at this point, $40 billion plus, something like that. So massive business, grown tremendously over the last several years. And CEO Sam Bankman-Fried said that at the time when they did their first deal, the Miami Heat deal, that they could afford to pay it all up front with the cash just on their balance sheet today. Right. So he wasn't worried at all from a liquidity perspective if they'd be able to pay this stuff later on down the road. And then also we've heard and I've heard from other CMOs that are in the crypto space that are working on these large partnerships. And they've said that basically a lot of these these companies or these businesses or these teams or these leagues have asked them for financials. Right. They want to make sure that they're going to be able to pay this stuff, not only financials today, but projections and kind of where they expect to believe and, and, and make sure they have the amount of cash on hand today, but also in the future to be able to pay some of these deals if they didn't even require them to pay up front. Some of these deals required upfront payment. So when I think about the other side of that, right, which is where do the problems arise? And in my mind, it comes down much more to the longer end of this stuff, right, the, of the risk curve, where you start seeing people agree to deals with companies that don't have necessarily as strong of a balance sheet, that are taking more of a risk, that aren't hedging it properly, that aren't asking for financials, that aren't asking for upfront payment. And there's, you know, there's several examples of this. If you look across European soccer, football, or whatever you want to call it, there's tons of teams that have agreed to deals with smaller cryptocurrencies or tokens or whatever they are and have reneged on them, right? They've, they've taken the, the sponsor off their shirts. They've taken them off the signage. They've taken them off their website, their social media, et cetera, because the token lost value, they couldn't pay, et cetera. So in some cases, they paid up front. They did the deal. They ended up leaving the agreement. Both parties were, were happy. But in other cases, that didn't work. And I think one of the examples of, of kind of putting people in charge of these deals that maybe not know what's going on there was an example with Terra, right? So the Washington Nationals did a deal with them. It was a five-year, $40 million deal with them. They agreed to this deal. It included signage and advertising throughout the stadium. And then there was a video series component of it where they were going to help promote crypto and do crypto 101 videos. So they were super pumped up about it. The, the owner, the managing partner of the Nationals actually said that part of the agreement included the ability to use UST to make purchases at the stadium. So Terra is obviously super excited. Users of the of the network and the platform are super excited. And then we all know what happened with Terra, right? It went from essentially pegged at a dollar to less than a cent. And it crashed 
you know, $40 billion in value was destroyed overnight. And the Washington Nationals posted this tweet on Twitter literally like two days after that, basically doing crypto 101. Here's what you need to know about Terra and everyone else, right? And it's a good example because one, it was a five-year deal. So we're, we're only a few months into this deal now. If they didn't get their payment up front, they're certainly not going to get it now because there's just no value left for them to be had. And then secondly, people who aren't involved in the space, who don't know what's going on, who aren't reading the news, who aren't doing any of these things, like obviously we're running the Twitter account and had no idea because they posted these videos and, and people that were burned or got hurt or lost money perceived it as pretty tone deaf, right? So I guess the question is like, how do you think about the sponsorships in context of not only their ability to pay going forward, but how teams and organizations should look at this in the future? I'm going to break it down into three buckets. The yeah. first is the teams don't appear to be losing money. They appear to maybe not capture additional revenue. But in these situations, it's not like they got paid in some altcoin and they're holding on their balance sheet, right? They got paid cash. They got cash. They got paid in the altcoins. From what we understand, they're selling it for dollars. So they're not losing money, which I think is a key piece if you're viewing the sports teams themselves. Now, the second point is that they definitely are signing deals or have signed deals in the past, and some of them may not be fulfilled in the future. So basically, you thought that you were going to get some revenue. You didn't. Maybe you can backfill it with some sort of sponsor. Maybe you can't. I would be interested to know how many of the non-crypto sponsors don't fulfill future obligations versus crypto. I could see an argument for both like the crypto industry still has a lot of economic prosperity and has done a lot from a uh, economic growth standpoint. And so it may actually be better insulated from kind of the macro environment than other industries. But at the same time, if you went and you signed deals with kind of lower grade projects or companies and they don't survive, then obviously you're not going to get anything. So I don't know how that plays out in comparison crypto versus non-crypto, but that would be an interesting thing of like which sectors contribute the most unfulfilled obligations for these teams. And the third thing is similar to what you're seeing with investors going back for a flight to quality with Bitcoin's dominance increasing. Anthony Scaramucci was on CNBC this morning talking about Bitcoin's dominance back over 50%, all that. I think that you're starting to see teams, individuals, and companies flight to quality as well, right? It's a thing where if somebody shows up and I write a big ass check, that sounds awesome in good times. In bad times, everyone's mind shifts from like, how much money can we make to how durable is our business? And now all of a sudden, in hindsight, if you were a team and you signed, I don't know, you said one of the deals was 40 million for five years, but somebody had come in and offered you 20 million for five years. If you're looking at upside, you're like, well, I'd rather the 40 million for five years. But if you're looking at durability, you're like, actually, what is the percentage probability I'm going to get paid? Yeah. And if it was 100% with the 20 million for five years and it was 50% for the 40 for five years, then you got to make a decision. Yeah, I think it would be different. uh, Managing risk was a huge part of this, right? Because there's obviously people that took the financial temptation and went further out on the risk curve because it was a good time. They saw it as an ability to, especially in sports, you have to remember a lot of these teams don't actually profit that much money annually, right? So they may have revenue and all these things, but their expenses are super high and the operating income is not necessarily as high as you might think for some of these organizations. Now, it depends per team, per league, et cetera. But in a lot of cases, this was seen as like a very bullish sign for sports valuations because revenue was increasing at such a drastic rate so quickly, depending on what you were able to sign. So organizations that try to take advantage of that quickly and compound that growth, I think, got themselves in a particularly difficult situation because they weren't able to manage that risk because they were falling for the financial temptation that some of these larger deals brought. 
And I think ultimately, like, it's the same thing. If you did deals with those top providers that we talked about earlier, the top exchanges, you're probably not necessarily nearly as worried as someone else in this space because you know that they have a strong balance sheet, they have the ability to outlast a bear market, a recession, whatever might come, and you're probably going to get paid. And even if it's not 100%, like you might get from kind of like a, like a Budweiser or someone like that, like you're still much, much, much higher chance of actually getting paid on this deal than some of the lower, smaller cap tokens and stuff like that. Is there a sports sponsorship that you saw where you're like, yep, that is the way to do it? Well, any of those those larger ones, right? Like if you think about, I mean, we've talked to some of these CMOs and in the case of FTX, right? Or, or crypto.com or people like that. In the case of some of those sponsorships, like a lot of these people did their due diligence, right? And they're not idiots. And they say, not only let's look at your business today, let's look at it in the future, but let's also realize how much cash you have, your ability to pay this, and we'll get super favorable terms. Because the reality was that crypto companies were not getting any slack. They were not getting any sweetheart deals. They were not getting any, you know, issues or financial disclosures that other companies wouldn't have got. They had to give all this information up front. They had to share information. They had to do all of that. So I think in a lot of cases, those top companies make a lot of sense. Like there's no reason why crypto.com or FTX or those providers are going to not be able to pay their deals. I think they'll be able to pay them. So those are easy ones to look at. And then, yeah, obviously like it depends on the situation that you are financially. If you're the staple center, the, the previous, what was called the staple center, like you're an iconic venue, you can find another naming rights partner. Maybe it's not nearly as big of a deal, but you have the ability now to go tell crypto.com what the terms of the agreement are. And it's the same thing when it comes to NBA arenas. It's the same thing when it comes to major league baseball. It's the same thing when it comes to formula one, any of those large big name sponsorships in a lot of cases, they dictated the terms versus just receiving the terms from a partner like they might do in some other cases. Do you feel like teams will seek out more crypto sponsors over the next 12 to 18 months? Or do you feel like they're, that's going to cool off now? Well, I think it's going to cool off, but not necessarily because teams aren't willing to do it because the crypto, teams. crypto exchanges and companies are spending less on marketing. Yeah. I right. Like that. in good times, there's, there's a lot of froth, not only that, but like, you know, people are excited. They want to go spend money on marketing. The bed, budgets are obviously bigger there was money flying around, right? More than there probably should have been. And now when people are tightening their belts, seeing a recession coming, seeing the market draw down, knowing that their business has to last, they literally can't run out of money, right? So in those cases, I think what we're going to see is the deal flow will slow down and the capital will slow down, but not necessarily because teams are scared to do it. Maybe some are, maybe some aren't, but more so because the crypto companies themselves will be sending less on marketing. Yeah. It's fascinating to kind of watch this play out because there's so much money involved but I tend to agree with you that teams are still open for business. Yep, I agree. Uh, I appreciate it, big dog. There's your boy right there looking smooth. I don't know who's looking smooth. You asked me if I was smooth. Look at that picture and, t- and, and tell me I ain't smooth. Yeah, that's called, <laughs> that, that's called catfishing. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I appreciate you listening to The Joe Pomp Show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify so that you don't miss any episodes going forward. And if you are looking for additional content, check out my daily newsletter at readhuddleup.com or follow me on Twitter at Joe Pompliano. I hope you have a great day and I'll see you next time.